Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following talk is called The Whole of Holy Life. It was recorded at New Thought Spiritual Center on Long Island, New York in 2015. Ah, lovely. <laughs> Always so wonderful to be here. It's such a joyous community you have. It's just beautiful. The theme of this month is connection. And I titled my particular talk, The Whole of the Holy Life. And it's based on a conversation that supposedly the Buddha had with his attendant, Ananda. So Ananda said to the Buddha, Master, would you say that the life of the Sangha, the spiritual community, would you say that the life of the Sangha is the half of the holy life? And the Buddha said, Ananda, the life of the Sangha, is the whole of the holy life. Now why is that? It is because whatever wisdom, whatever love, whatever beauty and kindness and generosity we have is tested in the fires of relationship. That's where it shows up. That's where you, you know, it's not just some theoretical thing that you have some nice insights and you have occasional sweet thoughts. It's how do you show up in relationship? What are your connections? Are you able to have empathy and empathy easily? Are you able to have sympathetic joy, happiness for someone else's success, your friend's success? Are you able to feel compassion easily? And maybe compassion in difficult moments when someone has really kind of screwed up. Can you see deeper the, the pain that drove whatever misstep might have been taken? So this has to do with a general friendliness, and it actually starts with ourselves, a general friendliness to your own self, a kind of forgiving of your own self, and an understanding that you can sit in a spot inside of yourself, in a sanctuary that is really untouched by the trials you've endured. The more you sit there, the more comfortable you are there, the more this friendliness just oozes out. And sometimes it oozes out with what we might call strange bedfellows. Because let's face it, it's easy enough to feel connected with people who you agree with and whose worldview you share and who you feel you can talk about anything and it's fine. And that's all easy to connect. But sometimes there are challenges when you're with people who, on the surface, you may think you have not much in common. So I'm going to tell a story, a true story. It's kind of an adventure story and kind of a love story. <clears throat> in 1976, I went overland from Europe to India. And while I, when I got to India, I was traveling with my boyfriend. It took us months to do that. We went through, we landed in Italy, we went through Greece, Turkey, uh, Iran, Pakistan, first you know, before Pakistan, Afghanistan, and then Pakistan, and then into India. 
we began hearing we were Buddhist. We were Buddhist students, young, very on fire Buddhist students, quite fundamentalist in our views, actually. And we, had, we began hearing that this region called Ladakh, which is on the Tibetan plateau, was going to open up. It had never been open to visitors. It was going to open up that very year. And we decided to go because in Ladakh, the Tibetan culture was most preserved. It was, in a way, more preserved than it was in Tibet, which had been taken over by the Chinese. So a lot of the Tibetan lamas had left Tibet, but a lot of them were in Ladakh. And it was a very strong Buddhist culture. And of course, as you can imagine, incredibly exotic. I'll wait till that goes by. So we wanted to go to this exotic Buddhist place. We went to Kashmir, where you had to embark from, and we got on a bus. There were no other tourists on the bus, just my boyfriend and me and a bunch of locals. It's a two-day journey, two probably 14-hour days in the bus, and it's in a very mountainous, it's the Himalayas, it's a mountainous region. And in those days, the road was just awful. There were lots of landslides, and we would have to stop along the way and clear, the whole bus would have to get off and clear the road of rocks. And there were mile-long drop-offs with no rail, no nothing. And every now and again, you saw a little, a little memorial pile uh, of the previous buses that had gone over. So, you know, what did we know? We, we were in this situation and suddenly realized this is actually quite dangerous. We stopped at a place called Kargil in Pakistan, really a terrible place. And there, my sleeping bag got full of Himalayan bug bed bugs, which are not like normal bed bugs. They're tough. And they live big welts. And it's freezing up there. It's, you know, you're in high mountains. So you have, I had to have a sleeping bag. So I had to sleep in this sleeping bag full of bed bugs. And I thought, well, when I get to Ladakh, I'll, I'll get some, I'll wash it in boiling water. We get to Ladakh. We get to a place called Ley, the capital. And it turns out, because we're, it's the brand new opening of for uh, anyone to travel there, there are really no pensions or hotels or anything. You stayed with a, you stayed with a Ladakhi family in their house. And it turns out the houses are rationed for water. So we couldn't, there was no possibility. The whole house only got two big buckets of water. So there was no possibility of washing a sleeping bag. It was hard enough just washing us, because you only got a little bit of those two buckets of water. So every night was this misery. My boyfriend eventually traded sleeping bags with me, which was incredibly kind. Um, so the other part of it is there was kind of nothing, that, nothing really much to eat. There were these big doughy, all things and things like yak butter tea. And so it was, that was also hard. We'd wander around the market. Um, and I was also a little bit altitude sick as well because it was 11,500 feet. So 
Anyway, one day, <clears throat> we see this, this army officer, this Sikh army officer in the market, impeccably dressed with his blue turban. And he bows and says hello to us. Now, hardly anyone there speaks, spoke English at the time. Now many more people do, but then no one did really. So here's someone says hello to us in English. We think, yes, that's nice. We said hello. But let me give, tell an aside. My boyfriend and I were, first of all, we were hippies, we were Buddhists, we were pacifists. We wanted nothing to do with anyone in an army. We didn't, that wasn't our group. We weren't there for anything like that. We were there for, you know, exotic Buddhist teachings. So the next day we're in the market, and he's there too, and we chat a little bit. He speaks beautiful English, obviously very intelligent. Um, and he says to us, would you guys like to come to dinner at the base tonight? And to tell you the truth, we were thinking maybe we'll get a good meal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> to set aside our, you know, our prejudices. <laughs> Just for the evening. <laughs> so, so off we go to the base. And here we are now with the, the general and all the, all the top army officers. Now, because that region is the most dangerous region of, of India, Ladakh is part of India, but it's surrounded by Pakistan and China, which are sort of semi-enemies of, of India. Not long before, they had actually had a kind of skirmish up in that region with Pakistan. So they have stationed there their top guys, their top officers. And so we're having dinner with these people, and it's charming, you know? And we're in a little bit of a, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a feeling of compromise because we're drinking wine and eating meat and... <laughs> playing cards, and, you know, here we are, you know, these very serious Buddhist practitioners there for this completely other purpose, and it felt a bit hedonistic, um, but at the same time, these were all guys who, you know, they'd gone to Oxford and Harvard, and they, they could speak about geopolitics in a way that really we certainly couldn't. So it was, it was, on the one hand, incredibly interesting, and on the other, we were a little bit wondering, what are we, what are we doing? But we couldn't resist. We kept going back every night. <laughs> and they became our friends, and we became their friends. And suddenly I realized, Maybe I didn't realize it even at the time, but since certainly I have realized that something shifted in me whereby I wasn't so much noticing our differences as I was, as I was noticing our commonality. And we had plenty of commonality. And these were guys who, they were away from their families, they didn't have their wives there, and they all had families and wives. <clears throat> They were stationed up there for many months at a time, six, eight months at a time, sometimes a year. Um, 
It's a hardship post. I mean, we were there in June, and it was cold, really cold. Um, and I began to feel this tenderness toward them, this, this incredible sweetness. And that was basically my experience of Ladakh. It was hanging out with the army officers. And at the end of this uh, stay, the general sent us back to, to Srinagar, to Kashmir, in his Jeep with his personal driver, which meant his driver would be away for two days, because it took, it took only one day to go back, because we weren't on the bus. <laughs> it took one full day to go back, and then the driver would have had to come back. So it was a really generous, incredibly generous gift, and was, made our journey a lot more safe. And all these years later, what is it, 39 years later? Something like that, yeah? My, my memory of Ladakh is this sort of love affair that I had with these wonderful people who, in their minds, and now I have a lot more sophistication about geopolitics, in their minds, they were doing something really good. They were on the front line and in a, uh, in a dangerous zone. In these ways, I, I so love, as I've gotten older, to be disabused, disabused of my prejudices. <laughs> and to just have an intention to find connection wherever you can. You know, really, all we have is conversation to get through whatever problems there are, right? Whatever gnarly rancor and discord. You know, we only have our own, our own love and goodness in our hearts to offer. So to have that as a strong, a strong intention. Thank you. This has been In the Deep with Katherine Ingram. If you'd like to find out more about my work or make a tax-deductible donation in support of these podcasts, please visit katherineingram.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Kath Ingram, C-A-T-H-I-N-G-R-A-M, for notice of additional podcasts and other musings. Till next time.